But let's bring in our next guest, and that's going to be Jason Ware. He's a partner and CIO of Albion Financial Group. Thanks for being here, Jason. Great to be with you. All right. Hey, stocks continue to shake off any headline risks. We ended up in positive territory for the week in this roller coaster choppy sessions. What's your outlook for equities here? especially at or near all-time highs. We're starting to see some risks, but there's backdrops behind the market that are positive, right? What's your outlook here into the end of the year? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think the four forces that continue to drive equity markets, which is a good economy, despite the fact that it's slowed down, that's record earnings. And we're going to be getting into uh, Q4 uh, here and looking at Q3 earnings season. And we expect that to be quite good. Uh, a, a Fed that's still accommodative. And we got you know news yesterday out of the FOMC that while taper is likely to happen by the end of the year, which is in line with our expectations, we think that the Jerome Powell Fed is still going to remain accommodative for the foreseeable future. And then finally, the fiscal authority continues to be very pro-cyclical on the amount of money that they're spending and putting into this economy. So as long as those four forces continue to be tailwinds and don't shift to being headwinds, we think that the general direction for stock prices is higher. It won't be straight up. We saw September's been a volatile month right on cue as far as the calendar is concerned. But the good news is we are flipping to the fourth quarter and year ends typically see strong markets, especially when we've had such a good year-to-date rally going into the summer as we did this year. So we're still quite optimistic on this market over the medium term. Yeah, it's still that by the dip mentality out there for a lot of market watchers. But inflationary pressures are still present. We saw some reports out of FedEx, Costco, uh, and some other names that are starting to feel these wages rising, uh, some input costs starting to rise. Uh, and this is going to hurt their bottom line moving forward. Now, the Fed still thinks a lot of these inflationary pressures are temporary. Do you see rising yields or rising inflation or even inflation consolidating here being an issue for uh, equities moving forward? It's, a, it's an important question. And we've been in the camp for many months that inflation would be would see a pickup due to COVID, the reopening, all the cash that's coming out into the economy after being pent up for over 12 months, some supply chain dislocations, all of the things that we're seeing coming through inflation and have seen in terms of these elevated numbers, we've expected for some time. And our view has been and continues to be that it's likely to be temporary. And we say that for the following reasons. First of all, if you look at the composition of inflation over the last few months, it really is coming from a you know, a small subsection of areas within the economy that are very much at the epicenter of the reopening. And I think the Fed sees that as well. So in our view, as the Fed is kind of looking at their calculus on inflation and how that translates to monetary policy, at the end of the day, the, the Fed is not terribly concerned about elevated inflation for how long. Rather, the question is, what are the composition, what's the composition of inflation? What are the underlying forces? And I think so long as they continue to be temporary, at least as the Fed considers temporary, then they're likely to have a higher tolerance for inflation remaining elevated for some time without getting too aggressive on monetary policy. I think if those things shift from supply side issues driving inflation to demand side issues, wages, et cetera, that might change their calculus for the timing of interest rates and tapering. But until such time, we think they'll continue to be patient or be patient, which should be good for the stock market. Yeah, and if you take a look at that, uh, you know, Jason, I kind of wanted to hit on that uh, inflationary pressures because the way that I look at it, and when I go out to a store or I go to a restaurant or a bar here in Chicago, it seems like the prices continue to move higher. Uh, now, I look at inflation and the issues maybe that aren't transitory like wages, maybe food prices aren't going to come down uh, anytime soon. You've got rising energy prices. So it's costing everybody a lot more. I just don't see how this is going to be fully transitory where eventually... 
if wages aren't rising quick enough, which I don't believe they are, we're going to have some issues here, maybe not in the next three or four months, but, you know, maybe early 2022. Yeah, I don't disagree with the idea and really at the core of your question is, is this notion of like real purchasing power. So wages are going up three and a half, four percent. But if inflation at the headline, you know, that's including food and energy, which, by the way, people use. So headline is important. If that doesn't start to abate and it continues to run north of five percent, then you're right. There is a real impact to the economy in terms of what people can afford. But again, I think the, the, the truth of the matter is, is if you look at the underlying drivers of inflation right now, uh, they, they do seem to be temporary. And we are seeing sequential deceleration or disinflation in those numbers. You know, we saw the high watermark really in May, and it has been coming down to some degree, and in particular in those areas of concern with regards to the reopening of the economy post-COVID. So I don't want to let your viewers believe that we're suddenly going to be back toward a normal 2% inflation uh, environment anytime soon. I think this is going to take a couple of quarters into 2022 to work off. But I think the reality is, is that, in, that wages aren't pushing inflation up Rather, it's dislocation of supply chain. It's production that came offline during the pandemic that is now starting to come back online and will take some time for that supply side to work out. And oh, by the way, we still have a problem with you know, the container ships and ports and all of those things. And yeah, that's not going to be resolved tomorrow, but we do anticipate, and I think the Fed does as well, that it will start to smooth out as we get into next year. And if those happen, you know, wages at 3%, by the way, the labor market is fairly tight and that probably won't resolve anytime soon. Wages going up north of 3%, disinflation coming back in and pushing things down closer to target over the next 12 months actually is a good environment for stocks and the economy. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of investors and traders look in the near term instead of looking out maybe a quarter or two uh, to see uh, maybe that downturn or that transitory effect for a lot of inflationary pressures. But I kind of wanted to move over to individual names and sectors. So the tech-heavy Nasdaq is up over 18% so far this year. They continue to lead the market. Uh, S&P 500, you know, we're kind of... Uh, getting bifurcated here with names that have pulled back a little bit, but you got the big ones carrying the load here. Which names do you like here uh, in the tech space? Oh man, where to start? So we've been long large cap growth technology for many, many years at Albion. We continue to like the space on a secular basis. So, I mean, obviously we've seen technology underperform after we got the COVID news last November up until about the March period where yields started to abate a bit. Since then, technology has been back in favor. You know, what's going to lead over the next three to six months is always a really difficult game to play, but we continue to like the secular growth stories in Adobe, Apple, Microsoft, Accenture. Uh, we just picked up some Oracle in the sell-off this week with regards to Evergrande. So we like large cap growth, Amazon, Google. Um, they've done well for us. They continue to do well. And by the way, valuations on most of these stocks uh, outside of Accenture, by the way, which is like hitting just record after record. Most of these stocks are trading at a more reasonable valuation today than they were a year ago because they've consolidated in terms of price, but the fundamentals have continued to compound on them. So Amazon in a 13-month channel is a great example of that. So we still like large cap growth tech in areas like cloud, uh, um, you know, digital advertising, e-commerce, enterprise productivity. Uh, it's, it's a really important space, and really it's part of what Dan Ives over at Wedbush calls really the fourth industrial revolution to which we agree. Yeah, you bring up a couple good names in there, and I like the Apple and Amazon angle because if you look at their earnings, uh, they're just blowout, right? But then on the year-to-date basis, those stocks are barely positive compared to a lot of the other big names in tech. So you're telling me there's more room to run there because – 
if you look at Apple and the earnings they've provided and the stock's only up, uh, you know, I believe about 10% so far this year, and you're starting the super cycle again with the iPhone 13, there's opportunity there? I think so. And, and you know, as a long-term investor, we actually love these consolidation phases. You know, Apple uh, is a great example. And that's often, you know, to your point, subject to some of these product cycles. We think the uh, iPhone 13 is actually underappreciated on Wall Street. It's going to have a pretty strong cycle. If you look at it from the bottom up, whether you look at channel checks in Asia in terms of components or whether you look at top down with pre-orders, it's suggesting that iPhone 13 is going to do better than iPhone 12 by a matter of about 15 to 20%. So we're fairly optimistic. That's not priced in the stock. Analysts are expecting no growth next year in terms of EPS for Apple. So we think there's a good upside beat there. You know, Amazon, as you noted, has continued to consolidate, but I'll give you a little bit of context here for your viewers. We bought Amazon back around 700 for the first time for clients back in 2016. It was trading at a three and a half times revenue multiple at the time. It's currently trading at a 3.2 times revenue multiple if you look at over the next 12 months. And yet the stock has gone up four and a half time since we've owned it. That's another way of saying that the stock price continues to appreciate, to appreciate, but fundamentals are going up faster than price. And we like that setup for long-term investors, especially amid what's been a 13-month consolidation for that stock. Uh, yeah, and if you take that Amazon model, uh, you build up revenue, you invest it, you build up more revenue, and that continues. And it looks like that cycle will uh, remain in place. So uh, those are good names. But one more name I wanted to kind of hit on, I thought it was uh, interesting, was Thermo Fisher. TMO is a ticker symbol. Hit all-time highs today, got upgraded at Goldman to a conviction buy. Uh, what's the story here on Thermo? Yeah, Thermo is the one-stop shop for um, all research institutions, public institutions, biotech, drug developers, you name it. They are the one-stop shop for life science. They're actually the number two player in genetics behind Illumina. So they have a number of great tailwinds. It's also a COVID story. They're providing a lot of good business to testing and vaccines, which given that COVID is not just a pandemic, it's going to be endemic, should continue to be a tailwind for them above and beyond their core business. But look, Thermo had an analyst day uh, last Friday where they upped their guidance ahead of the street. We've been more optimistic than the street on Thermo's business for some time. They actually were bold enough to give a guidance out to 2025 where they're talking about $31 in earnings, which puts this stock at a sub 20 PE, despite the fact that it's had 20% uh, earnings growth for the past several years. And we expect mid teens over the next several years. So it's just a really great business, well run with, with a really wide economic moat, high returns on invested capital. And oh, by the way, they announced an additional $3 billion stock buyback. So even as this thing is breaking out, Management wants to buy more. We think it's undervalued. Goldman came out today and agrees with that. Thermo Fisher is a great business to have, especially within the healthcare sector. It's trading at a couple turns below the healthcare sector writ large. Uh, we love the business long term. Yeah, and uh, I think if the highly accretive margins uh, and the company buying the stock at or near all-time highs is a positive and supportive sign, uh, I believe also. All right, Jason, you got me really positive on the markets. Appreciate the conversations. Have a great weekend. All right, that's uh, Jason Ware, partner and CIO of Albion Financial Group.